0: Why don't you join with me in prayer as we come to God's word this morning. Oh, Father, we thank and praise you for this day. Lord, we just take some breaths and we breathe in gratitude for who you are, that we are your children, that you love us, that we have new relationships with you and with each other because of of what you did for us on the cross jesus and the empty tomb lord i thank you so much for this body of people that love you here thank you lord for the ways that i see them love each other well and include each other and spur each other on in their walk with you thank you father that we are not alone that we have you and we have each other And Lord, that gives us so much hope. I pray for people here who um, maybe have been wounded by the church, maybe wounded by another brother or sister in Christ, or their expectations for Christian community were were not met. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to bring healing. I pray, Jesus, that you will help us continue to, to truly do what you tell us to do, Lord, that you keep changing us, that you um, keep working on our personalities if if our personalities are part of the problem and, and Lord, that we will conform more and more to your image and your likeness. Help us to understand each other. God, help us to be such an amazing model of love and goodness that the world cannot help but notice and may that draw other people into this body of people who love you. Thank you for this day and every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we continue on in a Church Called Tove Book. <clears throat> we have been working through this. And this week, um, we find ourselves from chapter 8. And so, what I'm going to be doing is um, talking about the church, a Tove church, a church of goodness, being a church where it is a people first culture. And the first slide that I want to um, share with you <clears throat> is that, first of all, a Tove church prioritizes people first. Can you go back to that one? Um, and so that's really, I, I, when Scott McKnight was writing about this, this really caught me because it's like, well, well, duh. I mean, of course that a church puts people first and prioritizes people first, but that's not always the case. Um, if you've been in church culture long enough, sometimes that, that, gets forgotten and goes by the wayside. And um, I remember this um, couple things that came to mind was, first of all, this thing that we learned when we were children was, <clears throat> here's the church, here's the steeple, or wait, here's the church. I didn't get this right. Here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Well, that was such an easy little thing growing up as a kid, but it just reminded me, like, the church is people. The church is not a building, it's not, a, it's not a place we go to, it's, it's us. And so it's important just to remember that. Um, I remember like campfire songs, you know, I grew, up, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. We are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord. And then the, the tagline is, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And so the church that prioritizes people first also prioritizes love and prioritizes how we care for each other because we are Jesus's people. So next slide, first of all, um, he brings up, he says, um, Scott McKnight and Laura Behringer says, a, cho- a Tove church will put people first and resist the notion of the church primarily as an institution. Now, when, he, when I read the book and I, I caught the word institution, I thought of two things right away, <laughs> probably because I work in mental health. I thought of an insane asylum, so I thought of that right away, institution. That was not a good thought. Um, but then I thought of a bank you know how like banking institutions, and and it hit me. I'm like, so oftentimes um, people will see the church as an as an institution, and unfortunately, because of so many things that have gone wrong in other church denominations, um, that that reputation unfortunately has become known as the church as an institution of sorts. So if you just sit for a second. <clears throat> And think about the church being an institution, and this is like um, this is the London institution of Finhurst Circus. That doesn't look like a very welcoming thing, does it? It Looks rather imposing and drab and severe. So you think about how, how oftentimes people will forget that the church is a body of people that are supposed to be welcoming and loving, and oftentimes it gets to be known as that. We think about a goodness culture <clears throat> as the church, as the body of Christ. A goodness culture will seek to conform our lives to Christ's example by focusing on people instead of institutions, and this prevents theological malpractice. Um, I think about how often um, the word theological malpractice is such a—it's like a word I really never thought about before. But when there's theological malpractice, it, it means that that the study of God, the, the ways of God gets distorted and goes off the wayside and harm can be done. And so again, as, as we think about these things at New City, I just want you to be encouraged that as we keep doing this work, it helps us keep thinking about the ways that we want to be, the things that we are doing well, and what to be aware of. It's like kind of being aware of landmines that could potentially come in the future and, and helps us already keep working on the good things that we are doing well right now. In a Tove church, these were five suggestions that Scott McKnight talked about. He says, first of all, we will treat people as people. I keep thinking about how we are all made in the image of God. We all have the Imago Dei. We all have something that reflects God. And we are his precious people. And so in Tove church, in this goodness culture, we will remember and we will treat people as people. We won't treat people as a means to an end. Um, I know that this can be really hard when we're in a small church and we all need to pitch together and help to make things happen. And sometimes we can forget that people um, aren't just a job or a body to fill a spot, but they are people, precious people made by God and loved by him. Secondly, and I I love this one, in a Tove church, we will enfold others into the community. I love to bake and cook. And I had this, um, this, this uh, I don't know, image in front of me when it was the word enfold. And I kept thinking about when a recipe says to fold something in, you don't just mix it in. Actually, you take a, a nice spatula and you carefully incorporate, yeah, gently incorporate it in. And you think about all the people that come to church. You know, I think about church shopping is a very brave thing to do, actually, because you're putting yourself out there you are saying, "I kind of want to be part of you." It's it's like speed dating in a way, and and you're not sure about it. Um, but if a church is a loving body of people that follow Jesus, they are going to gently and carefully enfold people in, not like rapidly mixing them in, like when you're on you know high speed nine a blend. It's going to be how do we enfold you in and um, take care of you? Just makes me think about being wrapped up in a nice blanket. And again, number three, I kind of alluded to this, but we will recognize all people as made in the image of God, and we will see them and try to see them the way that Jesus does. Um, this is really important because when we think about all the people that come to, to this, um, this place and other places, if we recognize that they are made in God's image, we will, we will try to see them through his eyes. And that is number five, developing Jesus' eyes for people. When we see people through the ways that Jesus does. We see them differently. We don't see them by their mistakes, by their failures, um, by their shortcomings, by what they offer or not offer. We don't see them. We see them as people loved by God. Jesus saw people with eyes of compassion. And that was one of the main things that that set Jesus apart and and he was different. And so we get to do that as well. And then number four, I know I skipped around, but we will treat people as siblings. Now, this kind of made me laugh because I thought about my own siblings. I have two younger siblings, and I don't know how many, just maybe show, show a hand of the number of siblings that you all have. I have, there's three in our, okay. Um, siblings have a complicated relationship. I've thought about this often, like my, you know, my siblings, and I, we come from the same mom and dad, and we are so different. If you all met my sister, first of all, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that we were related at all. Um, we are, she's very like quick witted. Um, she could roast anybody over a campfire in a second with her wit, you know, very sarcastic, funny. She's got an amazing sense of fashion. Um, she's just, I'm like the slow version and she's the fast. She's, she's unbelievable. My brother, my brother is, my brother looks, first of all, my brother looks like Keanu Reeves. So he doesn't look like any of us. Um, and he's Big and tall, dark hair. When he was born, my mother thought he was Asian because he, he, did, he just didn't look like he should have come from her. And, and we all looked at each other, but he clearly looks like her and my dad. But he just was born very differently than the rest of us. And so if you look at us as siblings, we are all so different. We relate to each other differently. Um, my sister and I, it took a long time for us to be friends. We, we were so different that we couldn't get along. So you think about if in the church, if we treat people as siblings it's going to be messy. It's not going to be this always this formal, very polite relationship, um, but we're going, to, we're going to have conflict. We're going to disagree. We're going to have great closeness. We're going to have a lot of things in common. But if you think about that model of treating people as siblings, there's a familial closeness and, and famili- familial familiarity that's going to set us apart and be different. And I feel like that towards each of you. Even the ones that I haven't gotten to know very much, I, I feel that closeness and that family connection, and I realize that is because of Jesus. You don't get that anywhere else. You know, you could work in an institution for a long time, and you there's something about what Jesus does for us that connects us to each other that is different than any other family or group in the world. And it also means that when we treat each other as siblings, we are also going to have to make sure that we forgive each other. We love each other. We do conflict and we resolve it because we realize we are forever connected as a family here in this side of heaven. So again, how do we do this? And, and I think about how Jesus, first of all, said this very important thing in John chapter 15. And first of all, we start doing this very simply but it's not simple because it's hard because we are sinful and human and we don't always do what Jesus told us to do, right? But we start by following his, his new command, which I think was really funny. Jesus said, a new command I give you. The Jewish people had lots and lots of commands, but he said a new one. Love each other as I have loved you. So you think about if we, as I have, we reverse that. Jesus saying, I have loved you and so you do just the way I do. And if we do that really well, we look completely different than the rest of the world. Um, I want you to turn, if you've got um, your Bible or else on the screen, to Romans chapter 12. And this is where we're going to get some marching orders from the Apostle Paul as he encouraged the church in Rome. I love this chapter of scripture because it has a lot of one another's in it. When I was thinking about what to preach on, because obviously as we're working through a book, there's not, you know, a sermon text in it. And as I sat with, like, where are the one another's? You know, when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, um, this is where God brought me. And so we are going to start with Romans twelve three. 3. Um, and in a note, Paul says in Romans 12, 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means in the church, we don't conform to the way that the world does things. You know, in the world... They cancel people. In the world, they they isolate. In the world, there's no forgiveness. In the world, there's no reconciliation. In the world, there's really not the inclusion that we have in the body of Christ. And so if we're really going to do this, that means we have to push against the pattern of the world and the pattern that we see in other places around us and really push into what does God have for us. And the Apostle Paul says this. First of all, he starts out in verse 3, he says, by the grace given me, and that grace is something that you can't earn or do anything for. It's just given. And so the grace that God gives to us, we also can give to others. He says this, first of all, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So he says, first of all, don't, don't think you're such a much or much a such. <laughs> First of all, have an honest assessment of yourself. So we come to each other, first of all, with a spirit of humility as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he gives an analogy of a body. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. It means that we can't say, You're not part of me because I may not like you or get along with you. You're still part of me because we are all in Christ. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And he names some of the gifts. He says, the gift of prophesying, which is speaking God's truth. And he says, if you prophesy, then do in accordance with your faith. In the church, if you have the gift of serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So Paul encourages the body right there. He says, just remember, you all have different gifts. You all have different abilities. And when you are going to be the best together, you are going to work together with all of those gifts and abilities. As your pastor for this past year, I've been thinking about how I've gotten to know so many of you and seen so many of your gifts and abilities at work in beautiful ways. And I get really excited for what's to come. And so it means that we also take time to understand and find each other's gifts. We we come to know what each other um, has to offer, and we honor and value that. And then he talks about love. He says in verse nine, "Love must be sincere." It means sincere in the Greek means like there's no cracks in it. It's whole and full. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. That's the first one another. Be devoted to one another in love. When you think of devotion, it means a, a very special, um, I was trying to like put words to this this past week, that devotion means a focus and a loyalty and a commitment. And so in the body, be devoted to one another in love. That means that we aren't going to be um, flighty in how we love and care for each other. It means that we are going to be there for each other through the thick and thin he says, honor one another above yourselves. It means that you are going to think of each other before you might think of yourself. And that is that agape, that self-sacrificial love that Jesus models to us. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, when we pause there, we think about how this world beats us up. And when we come together at church as brothers and sisters, bring your encouragement, bring your joy, bring that passion it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. That made me go back to, um, to Acts. You know, this past summer we, we went through the book of Acts, but I kept thinking about something that set the, set the body of Christ apart right away, and it was because they shared. They shared their stuff. In Acts chapter 4 it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, because they were doing these things, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. See, the the resurrection changed how they treated each other, how they shared their stuff, how they thought about their stuff, how they thought about community, and the world took note. It says the grace of God was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. And from time to time, people even would sell land, entire land, and distribute to the people that were in need. The world took note because the church acted different towards each other. He says in verse 14, bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. He says, live in harmony with one another. It means that to, to, to achieve harmony, some balancing has to happen. And so when we have conflict in the church, it means that we're going to fight hard to find out where those places of conflict are and to work at that and try to understand each other. Harmony does not come easy. He says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. You know, one thing that um, we talked about in the church I'd served at before you know we had moved was that... Um, not only like we have the potential to be racially diverse and that's something that we we pray and we work for in this community and we hope for, but we are also socioeconomically diverse, and so what was really important in this time and in this context was that they had a system that was very, um, very much where the rich people stayed with rich people and the poor people stayed with poor people, and then there were people that served the rich people so they could get higher position. And he says he says something that's so countercultural. He says, "Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be considered... He means. You need to see each other completely different than the world does because the world separates by um, you know by ethnicity socioeconomic status by um, power all those things and so that's another thing for us to think about in the church is that when we have people come in from all walks of life the playing field is seen as level because of jesus we all come to the same place of needing his love and grace and mercy and so that makes all that other stuff that the world says important not matter in verse 17, the Apostle Paul says, and encourages, "Do not repay anyone evil for evil." He says, "You know like when you're in the church, you don't get back at one another, that eye- for an eye stuff that doesn't happen anymore. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of anyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So that means we fight hard to work through our conflict again. He says, "Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. for it's written, "It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord." And on the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you he will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So if you just keep thinking about as siblings then, in, as siblings in the church, we are going to do some things that are going to be distinctive and set us, set us apart. First of all, we will care for one another. That means that you are going to have to work extra hard to pay attention inside of the four walls of this place and outside of the four walls of this place. Take time to get each other's phone numbers. Take time to to maybe know what someone's work schedule is, and so you could maybe find a chance to hang out with them outside of church. You're going to look out for one another. If you know that something is going on in their life that they need some help on, you are going to be on the lookout for them, and then you're going to protect them. You know, think of a, a family like, um, I always knew that even if my sister and I didn't get along, she would beat up somebody that tried to hurt me. She was pretty tough. And so I'm not telling you that you go and like beat up people that are after your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't hear that. But it also means you're going to have each other's back and you are going to protect. It means that siblings believe one another. And that belief is, is found in trust. And we will see the good and the bad and we will love each other anyway. And that really goes against culture because a lot of times if, if we don't like somebody or, or we don't get along with them, we just say, I'm not going to associate with you. But in, in Christ, that means we don't act like that and we, do, we don't do that. So at New City, I just want you to think about a few things as we um, do this well. First of all, I want you to be prayerful and, and just be thinking about how you can have intent as you treat people as people no matter what they do or can do or can't do. You know, there's some people where they're not able to serve. First of all, our children, they're just takers. They just take. They'll get their chance, though, later on. We'll make them work later. (laughs) But right now, we look at, like, our children. We, you know, we treat them differently, and even our older people. We treat people as people, no matter what they can give or do for us. We enfold others into the community, be noticing, be paying attention to how you can purposely include and enfold and be mindful of of the new, maybe the more quiet, or the people that are having trouble connecting. We recognize all people as made in the image of God. We keep seeing people in that Imago day. You treat each other as siblings, which means that you treat each other as coming from the same family, and that is from the Lord. And you develop Jesus' eyes for people. Um, I know there was, at one point in my life, um, I had been hurt really badly um, by somebody, And I was having a really hard time because every time I thought of that person, I thought about what they did to me and how they hurt me. And as I was sitting with the Lord in prayer about that one time, he he said, how would you treat that person if they were in the church? And they were somebody in the church. And that's where he had me. Because I knew if it's somebody in the church, I would be able to love them well. And he said, that is what I want you to do, see them the way I see them. And so as you develop Jesus' eyes for people, it'll help you not not be frustrated or annoyed with each other. It'll help you not maybe judge one another. It'll help you see people the way that Jesus sees them. And that can be done only by asking the Lord to change how you think and um, feel and see other people. Um, As we we keep doing this, I just want you to think about the effects of love. The nature of love is revealed by its power to transform any type of human relationship. The power of Jesus transforms our relationship but we have to allow him to do that. Think about the effect of love. It takes up and enriches natural affection. And so we think about that, that when that natural affection and those emotions are characteristic of the family relationship when it's at its best, that is when it's brought into the kingdom of God. And so keep doing that, New City. Keep thinking about how you love well and how that makes people take note and be like, huh, I want what they want. My hope and prayer is that this community will know how well people love and care for one another here and are intentional about that, that they will want to be in on that. And that is how more people come to know Christ. It's not through just evangelism tactics to get more butts in the seats. It's to say we want more people to be loved by Jesus first and by us second. Please pray with me. Thank you, Father, for first of all, for loving us and accepting us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did give us that new command to love one another. And Lord, it's really hard to do that sometimes. We get busy, we um, can be overwhelmed, or we can even hurt each other and we, we withhold that love. God, I just pray as, what, um, as we join with you in the work you are doing here at New City that we would, we would be like you, first of all, in how we treat each other. Lord, that the power of the empty tomb would empower us to also love people that maybe are difficult to love help us lord to grow as a wonderful family and to work through conflict work through misunderstanding even differing of opinions and and goals but lord help our main goal to have other people come to know you as lord and savior and know the love that you have for them and may that be done by how we care and love for each other Thank you so much for this day, Lord, and I just pray for continued healing for those who have been um, wounded or have maybe um, wondered about how that really looks. And God, would you just do that in our midst by your power? In Jesus' name, amen.